it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 136. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to discuss some ideas that Andrew had. Uh, He had this great idea that we would talk about what investors know, which is nothing. Uh, Forecasting the future and what analysts really mean when they think about what's going on in the future and how we really don't know what could be coming. And if we do, well, then you're smarter than us. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Andrew and Andrew is going to go ahead and take us away. All right, Andrew. Yeah, thanks, Dave. I had, so I basically have four bullet points on this, just kind of different examples because something about this topic is really kind of pressing and, and I feel it needs to be said at the same time. I think it's very inspiring and it can help certainly for somebody who's a value investor, somebody who's trying to be a contrarian. When, when you're trying to buy stocks at a discount to their intrinsic value, you're going to have to go against a lot of, uh, maybe adversity is not the right word, but you know, you have to go against the grain. You have to go against what the popular opinion is on the stock. And, you know, sometimes the popular opinion is right. And sometimes it's really, really wrong. And so if we can kind of look at the stocks we're looking at today and maybe parse out, here are some reasons why this stock is probably undervalued. Maybe they're good reasons. And here are some reasons that are probably just filler talk, you know, just like, I think a lot of times when a stock goes down, everybody wants to come up with reasons why that is. And so if the narrative is making up a reason, well, it shouldn't keep you away from a stock that's a great business just because everybody thinks a certain way about it. So the very first example I want to share. So the first example I want to share is Lamb Research. This is one that I've shared in the past where it's been by far my best performing stock I've ever bought. And I might have talked about why I recently sold it. That could be a whole topic within itself for a whole episode. Um, But I just want to really touch on, especially with the way that the stock market has gone lately, we're recording this in January of 2020. 
And for the past two, three months, certainly for the month of January, it's just the, the narrative has been tech. Like as long as you are long technology stocks, it, it seems like everybody, everybody and their best friend is making money in tech. And all you have to do is own like Facebook or Apple. Any of the tech stocks have, have done just extremely, extremely well. What is that's easy to remember because it's such a recent development. But while it seems that tech is always strong in a bull market, I put bull market in quotes because that's hard to define when you're in one. But while tech seems to always be strong, that was not the case in 2015, 2016. And certainly when I bought into LAM research. And so, you know, I, I've talked about the story about how LAM went from something like one and a half to something like seven or eight in a price to book ratio. And there were reasons behind why it was so cheap. So if you go way back into the archives, this was the seventh issue I ever did for the e-letter. And I talked about why I bought LAM Research. And I was also talking about some of the developments in some of the related stocks uh, regarding that. So there were a lot of different stocks in the technology space that had dropped. One that was very, very notable was Western Digital because it fell 14.93%. And so there were these big fears at the time of a PC slowdown. And it, it just, it, all across the board, it just seemed, I, 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 you know, I talk about this in the, in the issue and then I talk about some of the technology behind it with Moore's Law. If any of you are technology nerds, you're you know, familiar with that one. And so there were just a lot of slowdowns and, and the way kind of tech works, right? have slowdowns and maybe technological advancements, slowdowns and in innovation, or you have an oversupply of certain components um, within industries and that can have a ripple effect. And so as one tech stock goes, maybe three others go down with it. And so that was the landscape. And there were a lot of people, if you really think about where were we in 2015, it seemed like, at least the way I remember it, it seemed like, okay, how many more of these iPhones are they going to come out with, right? It's like, you know, we're at, I don't know, four, five, six, seven, whatever. It just seemed like, all right, we're starting to get over this, this cycle. Same thing with computers, same thing with consoles, same thing, again, with phones. Just a lot of the technology just seemed like it was regurgitated and like there was just nothing new. And so at the time, you know, there's not, not much to be excited about. And so a lot of the stocks didn't really get bid up like we see today. There were also recession fears back then. I remember people saying, oh, you know, we, we've had a bull market since 2009 where by, 2000, by 2016 or 2017, you know, we'll have matched the bull market of 2000 to 2008. And so maybe that's, you know, that's coming up soon. So we should be cautious with our money. Just a lot of different ideas that may or may not have merit, but they caused some of these tech stocks to trade at very low valuations. And so for investors who had their, what do you call the little detectors up, right? If, if you had 
your radar on and, and you're looking for these stocks that are deals and, and the ones that are trading with low valuations, then you are, you know, picking these stocks when they're not, when people are not excited about it. They're not excited about the technology. They're not excited about the profitability. They're not excited about the future and they're not excited about growth. And then, you know, you fast forward to where it is today, where it was a year ago. And all of a sudden you, you turn around and you blink and, and the whole story had changed. And all of a sudden you could have had a lot of money if you were invested in certain different stocks. So that I think is a good kind of first example of how investors can really get excited or very pessimistic on how they feel about a company or an industry and that can change very quickly and you know wall street will kind of move first and then the story will change later so if you're always following the story you're always going to be behind and so that's why looking at the numbers looking at the financials and looking at valuations can really give you a step ahead because then you can get in before these stories change and as long as you're investing in good businesses, you're investing for the long term, it doesn't really matter where the story goes as long as at some point your your business that you own is continuing to grow and continue to compound its earnings, you're probably going to be in a good spot. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The next thing, and this is not one that I personally experienced, but this is one that I've observed from reading books, reading um, some people online and, and getting some insight into some of the other big narratives of the day. Back in 2006, 2007, there was this huge, huge narrative that we were about to run out of oil. And, you know, it sounds silly now, but it's, of course, it sounds silly after all of the drilling we've had the past two, three years. But there was a serious concern um, 10, 15 years ago. It, it seemed like, you know, as the oil deposits kind of get lower as, as they're drilling deeper and deeper and, and not finding as much oil, then you start to think, well, uh, you know, the earth has to be tapped out sometime, right? And so this was a huge concern. And if you go back a couple episodes, we talked about just like a, a big intro into commodities and basically how supply and demand will set the price of a commodity and, and be a big factor in that, right? So when it came to oil, if you think there was these fears of peak oil, if if we do run out of oil, then the price of oil is going to shoot up because there would be less supply. And so there were a lot of price targets for oil being really high. There were just a, just a lot of experts and scientists and analysts and uh, gurus and just all these people who were saying that based on the trends we're, we're, we're experiencing, and you know, you can look at data back then and, you can you can always do this with data. You know, you can look and you can say, well, here's the path we've we've gone on. We project this into the future. This is what we're going to see, and it's going to be some catastrophic, intense, huge thing. As we're going to see, uh, you know, shortage. We're going to see a spike in the price. All of these things were predicted to be happening, and so that really affected how some investors um, allocated their capital. It turned out that instead of the world running out of oil, some smart person, some genius figured, well, we, we've been drilling downwards for this oil. Why don't we just drill to the side? And so, you know, it's a little more complicated than that, but this innovation came around called fracking. And now we had all this access to new oil. Um, supplies for oil you know the production just went insane the u.s uh, you know we, we had a big boom in production in the u.s in the permian basin and uh, the bakken and so what happened with that is they were able to use the fracking to discover a lot of new oil and Instead of the oil prices rising and some of these energy stocks really um, taking off, instead the price, if anything, dropped or stayed flat. And so a lot of the sector has not participated in this bull market over the last 10 years. 
because of this factor among many. And so once again, whereas with the first example, lamb research, we have a narrative. Uh, it's kind of produced as, as Wall Street goes along and then it might change later. What we had with peak oil was this idea where we're, we're just taking the present and we're not, we're not thinking about that, that, you know, the future has a lot of possibilities and the future very rarely just continues what has happened recently. And so as investors, you know, this is, is true, whether you're investing in one stock or you're investing in the entire market. And this is true with, how we experience the business world on a day-to-day basis. You just, you can't predict everything and you, you just don't know what one idea, what one innovation, what one development is really going to change the whole course of a market, an industry, a particular company. And so that's why, while you want to be observant of what's going on now, you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket. You don't want to, formulate a strategy where you're just basing it on projections or you're just basing it on what you can see with your, you know, in front of your fingertips today, you want to also always account for the fact that the future is unpredictable. We just don't know what is going to turn and what's going to change and how life will be different in the future. Hey, you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. So we, we just don't know what's going to happen. There's so many unpredictable factors that we really need to cater a strategy to account for that, whether it's a positive event or a negative event. And so we need to always keep that in mind. And hopefully you can tell that this is why a lot of the principles we teach, a lot of the basics and the fundamentals that we really try to pound into your head, that's a big reason why too, because yes, you have the narrative, but yes, you also have the unknown, and we need to think about that. The last thing, I know I said four. I don't know. The third one's really just me patting myself on the back. I, I guess I could, I could spare a minute or two to pat myself on the back again. Uh, one just real quick example of another stock where the narrative was really, really it's just funny how it changes. Uh, Disney, this was another one. If you go back in the archives, I bought it back in 2016. Uh, they were all, the whole story was how cable TV was going to die. Uh, and it was dying and we could see it, right? You could see the, the numbers with less, less and less people tuning in to live TV, more and more people streaming. And, uh, the stock was really taking a hit and, you know, viewership for ESPN was dropping and then the stock would drop because Disney owns ESPN. So, you know, back then they weren't, nobody was thinking about the fact that because Netflix was coming in and really taking a lot of market share from not only Disney, but all the major cable corporations, they nobody considered the idea that, well, I guess Disney could do what Netflix is doing. But, you know, now we're listening to this now in 2020. I think this this kind of encompasses both of those ideas that I first presented, right, with the narrative changing and then also this idea that an innovation could, could really change the future. 
So the same with Disney. Back then, it sounded ludicrous. How could anybody compete with Netflix? And now Disney's coming out with, you know, Disney came out with Disney Plus. The Mandalorian was a huge hit. Um, NBC is coming out with this thing they're calling Peacock. And then there's one other streaming service. I can't remember. There might be one more. Um, and, and it just seems like now cable TV is morphing into this a la carte streaming thing. And instead of channels, now we have streaming apps, right? So now that that all has played out, you fast forward three, four years. Now the narrative has shifted from all oh, Disney's in a dying business. And now all of a sudden Wall Street sees Disney in a huge growth business, right? And now it's like, money that disney is burning on this it's it's just comical right <laughs> it doesn't matter if you burn money it just matters how you do it and what the story is behind it so that's 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 where we've seen ourselves today and so again another example of a stock used to be cheap there used to be a story behind it of why it was cheap but you continue the even something as small as this, like a four-year period, you, you take those dividends. Generally, dividends are higher, and that dividend yield you'll get is higher when the stock is hated. So now you have, like, not only do you get a good chance at having gains because the stock is hated and the valuations are low, but now you also have a chance for higher gains because you're starting with a higher dividend yield that's going to create uh, a larger drip, and you're just getting that drip to happen much larger than you know, if you were to buy a stock that was at a very low yield um, and you know uh, had super high valuations, whether you look at earnings or book value or anything like that. So, like for the example of Disney, you know, they I remember when I bought them, I think they had like a one or two percent yield. It didn't seem like much compared to today. It's 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 a good amount. Um, but in those four years, you know, my return went from, if you just look at the return from when I bought the stock to when, uh, where it is today, it was, it's somewhere around 10 to 10 and a half percent per year, uh, with the drip that I've had over those same four years, my returns around 11 and a half percent. So just a small, you know, we talk about drip and I've talked in the past about, how over decades it can make a huge, huge difference. I, I gave some examples and you can definitely go in the archives if, if you want to get excited about drip. But even in just such a short time period, four years and, and we're talking about, you know, really 1% over performance of Talked Again, how that can really become hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars over a very long time period. And so you're already seeing that outperformance in the stock over such a short time. And so I think that's just another testament to how buying into into a hated environment, pessimistic environment, bearish environment can be good as long as, you know, as long as the stock has a good balance sheet, as long, you know, Disney has a great brand, right? Um, Disney had, it was, it was not losing money. It, it still had profits. It still had uh, good sales. So, you know, I made sure of that. And then uh, moving forward, you just buy some of these stocks and you don't know what it's going to be that's, that's going to make them take off. But you just, you believe in not only the business, but the people who are working in the business. And so 
if you just know that just because a business is having a rough patch, there are people who work in that business who are going to do amazing things. And that can really set off a lot of prosperity for the investors, for, for all the people involved. And you just have to believe in that. And I think that's why it's great to be optimistic. It's great to, you know, instead of taking what we see in the world today and projecting that and thinking that the world will never change, well, it can change and it can change for something good. And that can definitely happen um, within these stocks and these businesses and it can unlock a lot of gains. The last thing I, I just felt led to say this thing, and I hope there's maybe one or two people out there who, who really need to hear it. But I know with, you know, we talk about how the present is now and, and what the future will hold. And I think as a podcast that talks about investing, we, we talk a lot about the future. Um, I also know that being an investor, there's more than just picking stocks. A lot of it has to do with your personal finances. And hopefully we've stressed that a lot through, through various episodes. Um, something that can be very discouraging as you're going along with your investing journey is that life can really come and, and throw you a curveball when, when you don't, when you least expect it. And so I think it's when, when you get stuck in a place financially where um, things did not go as you planned and things just, you know, seem to be coming at you at all angles. Maybe you're usually a financially responsible person and you're getting these bills that pop up out of nowhere. You're getting this debt that's piling up and you know that debt should not be piling up. And, you know, for one reason or the other, just financially you're going backwards and it seems like you're digging yourself into a hole when all you want to be doing is pushing forward and, and you know, getting your finances and getting that compounding interest going and all of those, all of those things. And all, all that I'm going to say is that in my short time being alive, I've seen uh, a lot of different stages and a lot of different financial journeys. And, and I don't know, just a lot of different conditions and situations. And it's sometimes it's some, at least personally, for what from what I've experienced, um, it can be very hard to dig out of a financial hole, and it can seem like a never-ending struggle. But at the same time, I think um, there can be opportunity in the future, and there can be, you know, maybe not a business innovation, but some door that just needs to be knocked on that it's just impossible to see right now. Um, but I think, you know, that's why building the habits, uh, having the right mindset, maybe finding some inspiration and encouragement when you feel down and understanding that financial, the path to financial freedom is not a perfectly straight line. It never was. Uh, and I'm sure if you talk to any financially, financial free person, any entrepreneur that will tell you that same thing. And you just look at the stock market, you look at the stocks, none of them go up in a perfect straight line either. There's peaks and there's valleys. So keep that in mind with your own finances. Maybe you, you're you sick of the finance stuff because all it does is re remind you of where you're at now. But understand that 
what's going on now is not what the future means all the time. And so there could be something out there that's, that's up in the future that you don't, you haven't even considered yet, but, but it's, it's developing. So hopefully that's inspiring for some of you, whether it's your portfolio that's taken a beating, which I hope not because uh, we've had a great market um, recently, whether it's that, whether it's your personal finances or whether it's just that stock pick you bought last month, that's driving you nuts. Whatever it is, just remember that it's easy to get stuck in a narrative, um, but it's prudent to be wise about how the end result could become or probably will become. So just keep uh, fighting the fight, and I hope that these four bullet points, I hope at least one of them struck home for some of you and uh, helps you out with the stocks and your finances moving forward. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up our discussion for this evening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about investors and what we do and don't know about the future and predicting things. So I thought Andrew had some great comments and some great points, and there was a lot to learn from this conversation. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to give us a review, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. That would be great. It helps us rise in the rankings and we can help more people, which is what we're here to do. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.